Hello and welcome to the RBC Ross Trevor Campus Sermon Podcast. Our mission here is loving God, loving people and seeing lives change. At RBC, our heart is to build a Jesus-centered community, to see lives changed in multiple languages and locations. We hope you enjoyed this message from one of our weekend services. To find out more about us, please visit our website, rbc.org.au. Pastor, and so uh, it's wonderful that we can be here today and, uh, and gather together today. We are in week four of our series looking at our values, and in week one, our value that we opened up was that of being Jesus-centred, that, uh, that Jesus is the one that we follow and the centre of who we are and all that we do. A couple of weeks back, we looked at uh, value number two, which is that of authentic community. And we said that we're a community that makes room for people, to exp- and for anyone to find their home here. And last week, I spoke about the value of everyone living God's mission. You and I, we are all called... All of us, ordinary people, everyday people, called onto God's mission, invited into His mission to make disciples and to renew the world. And today we are at value number four, that of adventurous faith. We live out a spirit-led adventurous faith, trusting that God always has more for us. And the songs that we've already sang about today uh, have been wonderful to help us to come into, uh, into that place and that position. So if you've missed any of the last three, uh, then please uh, go back and have a listen to them. It's important that we journey uh, through these together. Uh, you can check them out uh, on your favourite podcast app. You can listen to them on our RBC online. And there's a small group guide on the hub. And uh, life groups will be running through these at some point throughout this year. Uh, you, may, uh, you, you may know the, uh, the movie and the book, of course, The Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Uh, there's this wonderful little scene between Susan and uh, Mr Beaver. And uh, Susan's going to meet Aslan, but she's a little confused who he is. And so Mr. Beaver says this, Aslan is a lion, the great lion. Oh, said Susan, I'd thought he was a man. Is he quite safe? I shall feel rather nervous about meeting a lion. Safe, said Mr. Beaver. Who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. He's the king. I tell you. Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. There's an adventurous faith. You and I, if you're a follower of Jesus here in this room today, you are part of an adventure of faith. God has called us to an adventure of faith, one that may not be safe, but one where our God is good. Our God is loving and our God cares. We are called to live by faith on an edge of adventure. There is nothing tame about the gospel or our discipleship to Jesus. Following Jesus is not meant to be some boring, archaic, religious experience. It's not about just suffering through a complacent and comfortable life until one day uh, we meet Jesus in heaven. That's not what it's all about. Following Jesus, leaving everything behind... Living in the power of the Holy Spirit is wild, costly, and dangerous choices. That's the choices that you've made if you are a follower of Jesus. N.T. Wright puts it this way. He says, Jesus is not leading us on a pleasant afternoon hike, 
but on an adventurous walk into danger and risk. Or, listen to this, or did we suppose that the kingdom of God would mean merely a few minor tweaks and adjustments to our ordinary life? So let's look today at that first idea in our value of being spirit-led. Spirit-led. You see, adventurous faith begins by waiting on the spirit. It begins with an openness to the presence of God, an openness to the Spirit of God to learn to hear His voice. In Acts 1, 4, 5, Jesus has just been, uh, Jesus has just been resurrected, and it's just before He is ascended, and He says this. He says, On one occasion, while He, that's Jesus, was eating with them, He gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptised with water, but in a few days you will be baptised with the Holy Spirit. Jesus has just been raised from the dead. The gospel, people are starting to preach the gospel. You'd think the disciples have a lot to do, right? There's a lot for them to do immediately. And instead of getting on with it, Jesus says, no, no, I want you to wait. I want you to wait for the Spirit of God. And why? Because when the Spirit of God comes on our life, the Spirit of God empowers us and He leads us for life. We need to wait for the power of the Holy Spirit. See, sometimes I feel, though, at times, people, we're afraid of the Holy Spirit. We're afraid of the, the Spirit of God. And maybe it's because for some people, you've been part, you're old enough to maybe see some of the excesses of the past or some denominations, and you go, no, I, I, don't, I don't want that. Or maybe it's similar to what N.T. Wright said, and that is that if we're really honest with ourselves, maybe we are afraid that the Spirit is going to disrupt our comfortable and well-curated lives, lives with His own agenda. But here's the deal. We need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. We are dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We cannot, it is impossible to do the Christian life, this life called faith of being an apprentice to Jesus without the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so this value matters to us most because it's impossible to do the Christian life and to be everything that God has called you to be, everything that all God has called all of us to be collectively without the power of the Holy Spirit. Michael Green is a theologian and historian. He said, he said this, he teaches a lot and written a lot of books around the first century and how the gospel went forward. And he said the first Christians lived in total dependence on the Holy Spirit and people did not merely hear the gospel. They saw it in action and were moved to respond. The Western church has grown too dependent on words and not nearly dependent enough on the power of the Holy Spirit. So here's the amazing and beautiful thing, a wonderful thing. If you're a follower of Jesus here, the same power that raised Christ from the dead is alive in you. What an amazing thought. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive and at work in you and in alive at work among us. Now, I'm not feeling I'm getting much uh, kind of energy here. This is, this is true, people. The power of God is alive in you. An amazing, amazing thought. We need to become friends with the Holy Spirit. We need to become friends with the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church where there is a hunger and a thirst for the things of God. God's got more for you. He's got more for your family. He's got more for us. I don't know, maybe you've seen this week, 
Uh, if you seen, well, actually, it started last week, but there's a revival, uh, a great move of God uh, happening in Asbury uh, University in uh, Wilmore in Kentucky. Uh, last, not, not this last Wednesday, Wednesday two weeks ago, um, there was a chapel service that normally just happens at 10 a.m. At 10 and it finished up and a, a few young people stayed in that room because they felt that God had want to experience more of God's love and they, had more of, they thought God's got, God's got more for us. And they began to pray. They began to worship. They began to humble themselves. Do you know what? That is still going now, today. We're about 250 hours in. It's 11 days or so in, and God's Spirit is at work, and God's Spirit is moving in that place. It is now spread out to a whole range of other campuses and unis across America. And here's what's happened. As I've watched this unfold on socials, do you know what? My heart has been stirred. My heart has been stirred to say, Dan, don't you want to see more of this? Don't you want to see more of God at work? And I've been, I've been stirred. You know what's significant about this move of God? It's been simple. It's sovereign. It's filled with repentance and confession and worship. And most significantly, it's student-led. It's student-led. This is a group of Gen Zs. There's no, it's something unspectacular. No celebrities or influencers, ordinary people hungry for God. God is moving through the Gen Zs. If you are, put your hand up here, if you are aged between 11 to 16, uh, 11 to 26, 11 to 26, put your hands up. Put your hands up high so I can see them. God is moving in your generation. Can you believe that? God is working and moving in your generation. He is doing something as people are humbling themselves before him, are seeking his face. Can you believe? Here's the other thing, let me just say. Even if you're 27, 28, it's okay, you're kind of close enough. No one really knows where the Gen Z boundaries are. If you, can you believe? See, God's spirit is not just confined to Hughes Hall or Hughes Auditorium, whatever it's called in Asbury. Do you know that? It's not confined to a location. The Spirit of God is in you and I. Joel says that he wants to pour out his Spirit in the last days. It's what we're in now. We need to be a people who are open to the Spirit of God and for a move of God. Could you dare to believe, if you're a Gen Z, let me just speak one minute. Could you dare to believe that God wants to move in your school? That God wants to move in your uni? That God wants to move in your workplace or among your friends? God is at work among us. And as a church, it matters to us that we live open and hungry for a move of God. Is there a hunger in your heart for more of God's Spirit? Is there a hunger in your heart for more of God's Spirit? How do you, how do you give time for the Spirit's voice to be heard in your life? How do you give time to hear the Spirit's voice? So adventurous faith begins with a waiting on the Spirit of God, an openness to the Spirit of God, but it continues through an obedience to the Spirit of God. An openness begins, but it continues through an obedience to saying yes to his promptings. Are you someone who can recognise the promptings of the Holy Spirit and act on them in faith and trust? Can you hear when the Spirit of God is prompting you and speaking with you? One person and it's hard to talk about adventurous faith without talking about this person. But one person who was open to, the, to God speaking and being obedient to him was Abraham. Abraham lived out an epic, 
adventure of faith. He was given a promise. He was given a God-sized dream and a calling to be a blessing to the nations. And this would mean, this would mean that he'd be packing up everything that he had, moving to a land that he didn't even know, and taking his belongings and his family. And all this was given to him by a God that he knew, but everyone around him didn't know. Can you imagine going to people around and saying, hey, um, God has told me I've got to pack up everything to move to this land. What land? And yeah, God told me. What God? Yet he did it. In obedience and trust, he stepped out on an adventure of faith. And have a look at what Hebrews 11, 8 to 10 says. It says, by an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in the country promised him, lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eyes on God, on an unseen city with real eternal foundations, a city designed and built by God. Abraham said yes to God even when things didn't make sense or were uncomfortable. And in doing so, he became the father of the nation to Israel. And for the rest of his life, he had a story to tell that glorified God. I wonder, how many adventures do you and I forfeit? How many stories of God's faithfulness in our life have we missed by being... How many stories of God's life have we missed being able to tell because of our fear and not stepping forward on an adventure of faith with God. And so here's the connection I want us to see around this value, is that adventurous faith, it takes an openness to God, but it takes obedience. It takes saying yes to God. When we say yes to God, we will step out on an adventure of faith. Um, Numbers 13, I want to have a quick look at this today, because here we see a group of people who find themselves right on the edge of God's promises, right on the edge of all that God had called them to do, the promises that God said, I will open up for you. They stand right on the cusp of it, but they didn't enter in. None of them saw the promises of God because of their fear. Have a look at uh, Numbers 13, 1 to 2. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. This is where God had promised Israel, which I'm giving to the people of Israel. There's the promise. Each, from each tribe of their fathers, you shall send a man, everyone a chief among them. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan. Now, part of these 12 men who went out, uh, two of them uh, were Joshua and Caleb. So these 12 guys go out and they're to explore the land that God had promised them. After 40 days, they return and they give this account to Moses in verse 27. We went to the land to which you sent us and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. And they've got this massive bunch of grapes. They say, Here is the fruit. This land is amazing. It's amazing land. They should have just stopped there. But they didn't. They put in a little word called however. Have a look at verse 28. However. The people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. However, however, have you ever said a however 
in your life, when you've had something from God, a word from God, a promise from God, a prompting from the Holy Spirit, it looks good and you've said, however. So ten of the spies brought back only the bad news. Joshua and Caleb disagreed, believing the Lord uh, had promised this land and so that the Israelites could take it. However, the bad report from the ten spies was enough for the whole people of God to not trust the promise keeper and they wandered in the desert for another 40 years. So rather than stepping into all that God had for them in faith, they stepped away from God's promises. In the end, it was the next generation of God's people, led by Joshua and Caleb, who stepped foot into the promised land and all that God had for them. Now... Before we go and get all judgy on them, okay, let's be honest. It's not always easy saying yes to God. When God says something, it's not always easy to say yes. We are much like the first generation of people who stood at the promised land. But it's my prayer that we will be a church and a people who are likened to that of Caleb, Have a look at what God says about Caleb in Numbers 14 in a chapter on. He says, because my servant Caleb has a, let's say this together, a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants will inherit it. Caleb had a different spirit. Caleb had a spirit of faith. He believed what God had said and when he heard the spirit's promptings, he said, I'll follow through. I'll I'll wholeheartedly follow through on what God has. Is there an area in your life right now that you know you need to take a next step of obedience? Is there something in your life that you know the Spirit of God has been speaking to you about, but you need to take a next step of obedience? It might be in something small, or it might be in a big area of your life. You see, when the Holy Spirit comes upon your life, one of the many things he does is like he did for Abraham, he plants God-sized dreams in our hearts so that we can impact and influence others for Jesus. I wonder, is there a God-sized dream in your heart? Has God placed something in your spirit that can be used by him to impact and influence others for Jesus? Is there something maybe inside you that has been put there by the Spirit for God's glory? And the good of others? Is there a God-sized dream that was put in you in the past, but you are ignoring now because of fear of saying yes to God? When I was around 16 years of age, I felt uh, God put a a promise into my heart, a God-sized dream into my heart. It might not, this might not sound like a God-sized dream to you, uh, but it it was something that was unique for me. And that is that I felt God uh, put into my heart at 16 that I would serve him as a pastor. I finished high school and I ended up going um, to to uni and studied management and halfway through that degree I started then managing bowling centres and started managing Norwood Bowl and, and Woodville AMF. And in 2004, there was a regional managers uh, conference and the region was SA and, and WA. And uh, it was down in Margaret River in WA, so it was a tough life and a tough conference. And I was given there, I was given the nickname The Future. 
uh, because there were some conversations about me becoming the new SAWA regional manager, which I was interested in exploring because it would have been a, would have been a significant step up and great career um, advancement and it would have had me see over 10 kind of bowling centres across SA and WA. So it was, you know, I was thinking really seriously about this as a, as a next step. And so these conversations are kind of going on. We come back um, to Woodville and I'm out on the desk just serving uh, customers when I sense the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Dan, now's the time. And I'm like, now's the time? Now's the time for what? And he says, well, remember at 16 when I planted that dream, when I planted that promise into your heart for pastoral ministry? Well, now's the time for you to take that seriously. And I thought, oh, it's not great timing, God. I'm just on the kind of cusp of something, you know, that could be really exciting, great career advancement. It probably set me up financially for a whole lot of things into the, uh, into the future. How about we just uh, put that on pause and we'll pick it up again in five years? Does that sound, does that sound like a plan? And he goes, no, now's the time. I said, now's the time. And so I said yes to Jesus and I stepped into an adventure of faith that has now been my story for 20 years. Now... Please hear my heart in sharing this story. I don't share it because an adventure of faith means everyone should quit their jobs, move into full-time Bible college and become a pastor. Okay? That's my unique calling. That was God's dream for me, God-sized dream for me. But here's the thing. He's put something in each of us. He's put something in you. He's put something in the person next to you. And so I'd rather I share it because it was one of those times in my life where I was faced with a choice to trust the voice of God and take hold of something unique that God has for me or not. Either step out in faith or not. And here's the reality. We all have moments in our life, big or small, where we are faced with the choice to say yes to God and to obey, to step into an adventurous faith or to ignore the promptings of God and to choose fear or something else. As a church, we want to create an environment here where people learn to hear and trust the Spirit of God, where we are open to the Spirit of God, where we are friends to the Spirit of the Spirit of God, and that when He speaks, we are obedient and we take steps of faith as individuals, as families, and as one family. You see, church, here's the deal. God is good. God is good. He is better and more wonderful than you and I could dream or imagine. Do you know that? He's better than you think he is. You think he's this good? He's better. And he's good. And you and I can trust him. Now, I wanted to say a few things when we look at this idea of, of faith. And that is this. When it comes to uh, faith and this adventurous faith, I want to be clear. Adventurous faith is not about you needing to have a bigger faith okay, or having more faith. Okay, So am I having a bigger faith or having more faith? This value isn't about whipping up faith within us. Rather, it's about this. It's about settling in our hearts who our faith is in and who the one that we are saying yes to is. You see, take a look at what Jesus says in Matthew 17, 20. He says this, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, Move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You see, it's not about the size of our faith, but it's about the object of our faith. It's about the focus of our faith, the one our faith is in. A number of years back, I was travelling to Sydney for a conference and 
And uh, we were flying, we were flying there, and one of, my, one of my friends who was with us, she was dead set scared of flying, like she was petrified of flying. This was only like her second time ever in a plane, she was so scared uh, of flying. I'd flown a number of times, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to the, to the flight. And I was, sitting, I was sitting next to her, and we're kind of, you know, coming around, you know, as you're taxiing around, you're about to get on the runway where you kind of just take off. Well, she is leant out, and she's just grabbed my hand. And I, f- I felt she'd broken my fingers, was how tight she had grabbed my hand. And so I'm, t- oh, my goodness. Anyway, I said to her, I, I said, oh, look, let's come and pray. And so I, had a, I prayed and just had a quick prayer, also prayed for my hand that it wasn't broken. And, and, then, we, and then, we, then we took off. The flight, was, the flight was wonderful for me. It was great. I, I enjoyed it. Not so much for her. She really did not like that two and a half hours into Sydney. Now, she only had a little bit of faith in that plane. I had a lot of faith in the plane because I've flown plenty of times. But guess what? We both arrived in Sydney at the same time. How about that? We both got there at the same time. You see, ultimately, we both had faith in the plane. I just had more than what... She did. But it's not about the size of our faith. It's about the object of our faith. So what's the difference between a little bit of faith and a, and a lot of faith? Well, the difference is whether or not you get to enjoy the journey or not. So living out, um, number two. That's the first kind of caution I want to give around this value. The second one is this. Living out an adventurous faith will require us to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Will require us being com- com- becoming comfortable with being uncomfortable. Stuart Robinson, a retired Aussie pastor, said this: "Faith often feels like standing in the midst of miracles and on the edge of disaster at the same time." I wonder, does faith feel like that? If it does, then maybe you are in a place where where God is, where you are on an adventurous faith with God. You feel like you're standing on the midst, in the midst of miracles and on the edge of disaster. Maybe if it doesn't, if your faith doesn't feel like that, it's possible, I'm not saying this is, it is possible that maybe life for you is a little comfortable. Things are a little cosy. And you need to find yourself in a place where you are saying yes to the Spirit's promptings in your life. John Wimber, 60s pastor, evangelist and musician, coined this phrase, Faith is spelled R-I-S-K. Faith is spelled risk. You see, as disciples of Jesus, we are called to step outside of our comfort zones and step out in faith, take risks and experience an adventure of faith with Jesus. I wonder, when was the last time, when was the last time you took a risk and stepped out in faith? When was the last time you took a risk and stepped out in faith? Now, this value finishes with the words, trusting that God always has more for us. Isn't that beautiful? Trusting that God always has more for us. I love this. And in Ephesians 3.20, Paul writes this. He says, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. You see, God has more for us. He wants to do and is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. We serve a big God, a God who can do immeasurably more than we can even dare to dream. And it's our heart to cultivate a space here where we pray and we encourage one another to pray God-sized dreams, God-sized prayers to pray God-sized prayers and to expect great things 
from God. William Carey, great Baptist missionary, I was lucky enough when I was in um, Bangladesh to, to see one of his places uh, where he stayed while he was there. But he said, expect great things from God and attempt great things for God. So let me ask, take a moment to think about your prayer life. What's the biggest thing that you're praying at the moment? How big are your prayers? Are you praying God-sized prayers? What's the biggest prayer you're praying? You see, here's the thing. It is actually possible that you are praying to a God that doesn't exist. It's actually possible you're praying to a God that doesn't exist. Let me explain what I mean by that. Are you praying for God to move a blade of grass when he's actually a God who wants to move a mountain? Let's lift our, let's lift our vision, let's lift our, our eyes and be a people who believe that God has more, that this is who our God is. You see, it matters here that we are a people who see God for who he truly is and to pray big prayers. As we close today, what about for us as a, as a church? Well, as a church, our testimony is one where clearly we can, and undoubtedly, we can say that God has brought us this far by his grace. Hey, God has brought us this far by his grace. Our history as a church is one of adventurous faith. Sure, there are, there are moments, you know, when we don't always get this right as a church. You know, that's how, that's, like, that's just the, the journey of following Jesus. We're all works in progress and collectively we're all a work in progress, Right? But there, we have a history where people have stepped out in adventurous faith here. For over 150 years, and I know there's some new people who are, who are here among us, and so this is important for us all, but for over 150 years, God has been faithful to us. Never has that been more true, though, probably in the last 40 years, when increasing mission and ministry has led to the adventure of faith that you and I are part of today. Many of us might not know, but that in 1979... A community of Jesus followers called McGill Baptist stepped, and much smaller in size than what we are now, but filled with faith, stepped out on an adventure of faith to establish a new ministry and mission here on this site in Ross Trevor. It began over in the, in the hall over there and has subsequently over the years this auditorium here was built. And now, you know, we see a Korean community meeting in the, in the room next door. There's another location at, uh, at Broadview, a Chinese community that comes in here after today at 1.30. And at last, year, at last year's AGM, Alan Priest, who's a member here and has been for over 50 years with his wife Pam, he shared powerfully, actually, on some of the history of our church in light of some of what God was doing in uh, the stories that he was reading in the annual report. And so I wanted to share, I actually got, it, got that actually uh, transcribed, and I wanted to share with us today what he said, because I think it encapsulates uh, part of our journey, or a lot of our journey of adventurous faith as a church, and that it would be one that would encourage us even more into the future. And, and here's, what he, here's what he said. February 2023, so that's like now, will be 50 years since Pam and I started worshipping in what was then the McGill Church, and we travelled the journey to come here to Ross Trevor. Everybody who was a part of that journey had their lives changed by the way God moved. You see, when we step out on an adventure of faith, our lives are changed. God changes our lives. 
When we made the decision to move in 1979, we had a bit over $2,000 in the bank. We bought this site for $120,000. The vision was that we would sell the old church for $120,000 and raise the money to build the new building. Sounds great. Due to a whole range of circumstances and difficulties, though, it took 18 months to two years to sell the old building and it was only sold for about $90,000. And so we had all sorts of financial issues. What is amazing is that those of us who were led by God to make that decision had a vision for who God was leading us to become. And I want to say that the stories in the annual report are far, far beyond all that we might have dreamt of. Isn't that just like how God works? We can dream for all that we imagine. Put yourself, think of the next 40 years, what do you imagine? God's got more than even that. That's how God works. The breadth and depth of our reach into the community and the nature of the ministries that we are involved in is an incredible testament to who God has called us to be and how he has enabled those things over the years. As I thought back, 40 years, how long is 40 years? Well, 40 years is a generation. It's a generation of change. And so it's special to see the way, as the children of Israel, God raised up a new generation to claim the promised land. And that is what we are seeing now. This church started in 1858. These last 40 years that we have just had represent 25% of the history of this church. And all of us who came here had this sense that we are just a little bit tacked onto the end of 120 years of ministry. He says we aren't actually. There's been more. God, over these 40 years, has done something quite incredible in giving this congregation its own heart, its own sense of who God has called us to be, and has raised up leaders to take us there. And he's raised up people within the congregation that he has sent out into diverse and wider places of ministry. The other thing to say is that those of us who are part of that faith journey, listen to this, from McGill to Ross Trevor, saw God move in so many miraculous ways that our lives have been forever changed. I was only a 30-year-old when that was happening, young and relatively inexperienced. And so if you're... Gen, Gen Zs, we spoke about this earlier... This is a chance for you to step out in faith. This is a chance for you to have significant leadership across the life of our church. I was only 30 when that was happening, young and relatively inexperienced, and yet God gave me the privilege of being significant in that journey. The history of this congregation is that we've been on about God's business and his mission, and he has miraculously opened up more for our future. And it is what we can continue to hope for if we have the faith to move forward and the guts to put ourselves forward and to take the risky decisions and go where we believe he is leading us, even if the journey looks difficult. How good is that? You see, that's, that's part of our story as a church. That's part of our, our story. wonder what adventure of faith God has for you personally to step into and how God's going to change your life as you do that. Can you dare to believe collectively that for us as a church the next 40 years can be more than what we are? Can you dare to believe that? And you see, I believe, I believe really strongly that we are in a cultural moment right now where it has never been more important for us to be a people who are open to the Spirit, who are obedient 
to the Spirit of God and who step out in adventurous faith, who are prepared to trust God is good, but to step out even if it's risky. Would you stand with me today? Maybe just have a quick look at this. Is there one thing you could do this week to step out in, in faith to impact and influence the next generation for Jesus or this generation for Jesus? What's one thing that you could do this week to step out in faith? Look, we've just got a couple of minutes and we're going we're to sing and we're going to take communion in a moment too, but we've got a few minutes and I just want to take a moment just to pray and just to welcome and to ask that the Spirit of God would be present here. To simply pray, come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Because I believe that there are things and there are promptings that God has in your heart and in your life that he wants to do in you and through you. And as we open ourselves up, to the Spirit of God. He doesn't put us into a box. He actually opens all that up for us and takes us and steps us out on an adventure of faith with Him. And so let's just take a moment. And right across this room today, can you just be praying and just saying, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Let's just, let's just take a moment. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. Let's just say, come Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, we need you. We are dependent upon you. And so Spirit of God, I just pray that we would become more aware of your presence today. Would you pour yourself out on each and every one of us? Just in your heart, say, come Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, come. Just let the Spirit of God minister to you. You might hear a prompting from the Spirit. If you do, just take some time and just keep listening and travel that down to see what he has to say to you. You might have a prayer. It might be a word of prophecy that you feel. Maybe there's something that God's calling you to say to somebody afterwards. Holy Spirit, in the words of the song, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and change the atmosphere. Your glory, Lord, is what our hearts long for, to be overcome by your presence, Lord. Spirit of God, remind us of the beauty and the love of Jesus. Let's just continue in this atmosphere of the presence of God. We're just going to sing together and lift our hearts. Let's continue to lean in and be open to what the Spirit wants to do, where He wants to lead you, where He wants to take you today, and what it is that maybe He's calling you to step out on. What's the adventure of faith that He's calling you to step out on today? Come, let's sing this. Let's sing this together.
Thanks for listening and we hope that you enjoyed this podcast. If this message has impacted you in some way, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us through The Hub online at thehub.rbc.org.au or through our social media links in the show notes. See you next time.